Hey, I'm Rich. And I'm Ruben. And welcome to Clarity, where we discuss the ideas and experiences that shape how we think and live. Today's a very special day. It is the first day I've ever recorded with my wife Shelly in the room. Actually, we recorded that intro episode with her. Didn't? Oh, yeah. so we're going one year ago today. Yeah, exactly. So it was a Friday night. No, it was a Saturday night. Yes. She was sitting in the room in the Langmar Resort, South Carolina, Myrtle Beach. Where we are right now. And but then we have an extra guest, actually. Yeah, to celebrate the anniversary. Yes. Welcome, Caleb. Hey, guys. So this is Caleb Isley, and you guys might, may know him from Humans of Adventism, where I discovered him as Caleb from Twitter on Twitter. <laughs> That's I was like, true. this is a That's unique true. name and my friends like him. I'm going to follow this guy. The first, Interesting way to discover what I say. Well, originally I thought you worked for, from on Twitter. And I was oh, like, no. oh, this Adventist guy works on Twitter. He's like Twitter. Tom from MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> we just dated ourselves. Shelly is shaking her head in disapproval. We have an mind. audience now. We yeah. do. All Very right. cute audience. We should keep her always. A little biased, but Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, fine. that that came from a joke because uh, there were a lot of people who didn't ever see my physical form. Uh, <laughs> oh. So I showed up in their inbox. I talked to them about their oh. trauma and deep parts of their life. Right. And, uh, you know, was this supportive person whenever they made music, I bought it, you know, these kinds of things. And so I was Caleb from Facebook or Caleb from Twitter uh, to so many people before I really was able to travel anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that, that that came from a joke. And then now... Yeah, a certain subset of people come from from finding me on Twitter, and Twitter is definitely where I vent my uh, most raw uh, opinions. <laughs> me too. <laughs> so you, do you used to have a different persona depending on social media? Not intentionally, but I do use them each in their own language. Awesome. If that makes sense. That's what I do too. I, yeah, mean, I, I, I personally use Twitter for my own opinions. Yeah. I think for me, uh, Instagram is like stories and Facebook is for I don't know. It's like those like new memes that they're about like Facebook, <laughs> Instagram. Yes, yeah. this is the picture. It's called the um oh the who challenge. It's um it's someone you wouldn't think it'd be the challenge for them. It's yeah. like how's Tinder this picture? Them? Yeah, then the uh, Tinder. I don't have a Tinder picture. Uh, babe, do you know who it is? You're the meme queen. I don't um, know, but it's it's okay. It's like uh, some person challenge. I'm like, how is it? It's 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 like a maybe a middle aged female star. <laughs> And it's called the Her Challenge. I'm like, why is it the Her Challenge? Serena Williams Challenge? No. I think it is. No. Anyway, so not everyone who's listening may, for some reason, if you don't know who Caleb is. It's Dolly Parton. It's a Dolly Parton Challenge. Yes. That's very, I'm called. probably extremely generous. <laughs> I call her middle-aged. She is older. It's yeah. true. I mean, that's not wrong. It's true. All right. We carry on. <laughs> My wife is very offended that I referred to Dolly Parton as older than middle age. I mean, okay, all right. Um, yeah, it's older than middle age, seventy four. So, um, Caleb, just a brief introduction. You know, who are you? What do you do? Yeah, uh, my name is Caleb Isley. I'm a content developer in Oregon. I live near the Portland area, and um, my job is to make things for the internet. Uh, I have a particular focus. I focus on the life experiences, especially of Seventh-day Adventists. And uh, I find a way to cut those experiences down to fit on social media. Mm. And so this is something that I spend a lot of my time doing. I also help support uh, new media. So whenever a podcast starts out, whenever a, a new blog starts out, I help promote it, help get involved however I can and, and 
get that person their initial audience if possible. Uh, so cool. that's that's kind of the condensed version. All right. Cool. Dude, thank you so much. Yeah. And it seems also from the Twitter stuff I get to follow, it seems you enjoy video games. Love video games. My, my wife and I, uh, video games are, if not a daily habit, a pretty regular part of our life. Started mm-hmm. when we were extra broke. And we would say, what can we get that will last us for months where we don't go see movies, we hey. don't go out to eat? Mm. How can we invest money in something we like doing together that's going to last for a long time in our own home? <laughs> I need to use that pitch hey, for new video games for my wife. I know. <laughs> hey, babe. Are you listening? So <laughs> He's ignoring you on purpose. <laughs> yeah, we talked about this. Um, do you think you can beat Ruben at Super Smash Brothers? Absolutely not. I am not. I'm 0% competitive. I'm oh. a, a an experienced person, so okay. I will intentionally lose occasionally if it's mm. more fun. That's what I do with Rach wow. sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you hear Shelly laughing in the background. That's pretty savage. We need to get a mic for Shelly's laughs. <laughs> but it's all about having fun. I feel, I, I feel mm-hmm. like video games is not about... I mean, I, I like to be... Comp- I like to be good at it, but mm-hmm. the most important part is just to have fun, you know? And if you're not having fun, what is the point of me beating you, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty mad right now. So, okay, so today, uh, Kayla, we're trying something new. We're going to try and just from the outset, let you know what the moment of clarity is guiding the episode so that as we journey together through that, you know where we're going. So, Caleb, if you can try to, in a mm. sentence, give us your moment of clarity that you're sharing with us today. My moment of clarity came at the absolute rock bottom point of my adult life. Wow. And God led me through, through experiences to take a leap of faith mm. and to go ahead and try something that I didn't have figured out. Mm. That was my moment of clarity to, tr- to tr- truly trust God without having the answers first. Wow. Which I have never done in my life. Wow. All right. So truly trusting God and you didn't have the answers first. How leap of faith. The leap of faith. Those are like keywords I'm just trying to get from, from that moment of clarity. And we're going to unpack it uh, along this episode, yeah. Sure. So there's a beginning, there's a middle, and the end. Take us on that journey. How did you get there? Yeah. Um, so very quickly, anyone listening will will learn that my life is not linear. Mm. Uh, my experiences, okay. my experiences awesome. are never simple. Um, if life is a mirror, my life is a shattered mirror, right? Mm-hmm. A million different pieces together. Um, very hard to to kind of tie into one experience. Uh, but mm. uh, throughout that, I have, I'm Seventh-day Adventist. I have been all my life, carried kind of the same belief in God all through my experiences. Um, never doubted his existence, mm-hmm. but but really have been wrestling with what that looks like, right? In practice, what does it mean to have God involved in my life? And so um, my wife and I, quick history, uh, we got married at 18 and 20 years old. Wow. And um, we went through her, her family was on expired visas from their court country of origin. And so very, from a very young age, we are number one, extra broke, like completely no money at times driving cars that we couldn't get to run. Um, I remember early after our marriage, uh, we had moved to a whole new state, South Carolina, uh, from Indiana, Ohio area. and. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so stressful to go to church because the cost of paying for gas to get to church 30 Oof. minutes away and the stress of knowing that my car 
is only going to run for another week and a half, two weeks before it breaks down again and I have to pay to fix it. You know, I'm dealing with this kind of stress very early on with the church led to a lot of disconnection and and ultimately I left the church for two years. Mm. Um, but, you know, over time, I think this trend of, um, I mean, poverty and just stress of trying to be uh, very young people and trying to put ourselves through school or figure out if we didn't go to school, like what would that look like uh, has been something that we've dealt with for the majority of our, our marriage. And so uh, at the point that, that kind of every, the bottom fell out of my life, I had gone through college. I had graduated, made it through. We had uh, got my wife, she'd had her citizenship, um, you know, gotten through a lot of really difficult and expensive things. Mm. Uh, and just over and over, this is just challenges come up and we have to work really hard to, to get through. But I had managed to get out of college mm -hmm. and I had an English degree and the jobs that I wanted, I didn't get the jobs that I potentially could get. I couldn't pay my bills mm -hmm. if I got them. And okay. so I went to work for a pest control company, which was not, I mean, nobody, nobody around me wanted to do this work. Right. right. It, which is why I did it because I could pay my bills doing it because no one wanted to do it. Mm. And so I had, I had worked there. I'd worked my way up. I was the, uh, the youngest team leader in my company at the time. Um, I was very involved in business strategy, uh, teaching people about social media and connecting with younger customers and all of these different things. And so wow. I had done well for myself there. Mm -hmm. And I got to a point where um, I started having, uh, ethical differences with my company where when I had started, I had truly believed I was providing a service for people mm -hmm. and it, I had gotten really efficient. And what that meant was I got piled on with more and more work. Mm. The amount of time I was given to take care of customers was cut down shorter and shorter and shorter until I didn't feel like I was actually providing a service at all. Mm. So toward the end of 2018, um, it was around Thanksgiving and my wife was driving to Southern, Southern Adventist University, oh. uh, where her brother was. And she decided we were going to pick up uh, my brother-in-law for Christmas or for Thanksgiving and mm -hmm. bring him home. Sure. Right. He was going to spend some time with us. And I get a call. It was Sabbath. I was walking to church and it's from my wife's phone number, but it's not her on the other line. Oh no! I answer it. And uh, the voice on the other line says, I'm with your wife. She's just in a, been in a major car accident. Um, we don't know any details yet, but I'm here with her and I just want you to know. Well, She's in Georgia. She's like five, six hours away from me. And she has our only car. Right. Okay. So I have to get there now. Uh, right. Yeah. She is somewhere. I don't know. I don't know if she's you know, in critical condition. I don't know if what's going on. So I, I run to my church. Mm -hmm. They're about to start church service. Thankfully, my, my parents go to this church. Right. I burst in the front door, bawling my eyes out. And I'm standing in the aisle of the church, interrupting uh, praise service. My mom was up there leading uh, a song. And I just shout, mom, we have to go now. No context. Okay. I literally just burst in in front of all these people. Yes. And yell in church, we have to go now. 
She doesn't ask questions. She grabs her purse. She grabs her keys. She leaves mid-song. Everything stops. We rush out. She's like, where are we going? Who's in trouble? Mm-hmm. What's going on? I'm trying to talk through tears. Yeah. I'm partly on and off the phone with this lady who I find out like, okay, my wife is, she's going to be okay. Uh, she oh. hit her head pretty hard. Man. And we don't know what that means. And she's, she's in shock. Yeah. And, and so, um, you know, they're taking her to the nearest hospital and everything. And so we just start driving and I'm like, here's, here's where I think they are. And we find the, we finally find the hospital. Mm-hmm. And so we're driving on this way, just praying and just having this really awful experience. And, you know, we finally get there, we pick her up, everything seems like it's going to be all right. And, um, but we don't know where our car is. It's, we don't know where it is. Somebody mm-hmm. towed it mm-hmm. somewhere. And so we've lost our car. We have to, you know, get, get my wife and get home. Uh, we ended up going up to Southern, picking up my brother-in-law and bringing them back and all coming home. But in the time since, we ended up being just really taken advantage of by the insurance company. We didn't make any money off of our car. Mm. Um, by the time we found where our car had been towed, we owed the, the yard where it had been sitting oh, no. a couple thousand dollars. Wow. So not only did we lose our only transportation, yeah, but now we owe medical bills. We owe uh, this this junkyard and towing company, right? And I had just told my company I'm quitting. Right. So no income. Right. In the so future. so I'm coming up quick. Like my income is about to run out. We have nothing to drive. My wife was in her last semester of college coming up that spring. So it was a difference of does she graduate from college or not? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was just this really tough time. We lose our, our car first. Then I lose my job. Uh, you know, I, I end up quitting anyway. Wow. And I, I had a job lined up. Uh, it was out of state. I flew out there. They told me pretty much like, you're the only person we flew out for this job. We believe in you. We've been watching you for years. We think you'd be a perfect fit. Uh, flew my wife and I both out, put us up in a hotel room, took us out for a great dinner. They're like, yeah, really, this the deal is done. We're hiring you. Mm-hmm. But we need to wait for an administrator to come back to sign off on the paper. I'm like, and okay. Then... So, you know, I wait. But it's sealed deal. Yep. So I don't look for another job. Of course not. No. I tell whatever other opportunities, no, I've gotten a job. Mm-hmm. Time passes. Uh, Rent is or mortgage is due, bills are due, and I don't know what in the world to do because I'm still waiting for this this place. So I call up my dad, and he is a, a mason. Uh, he lays brick, mm-hmm. and he owns owns a, a construction company. And I I call up my dad and I say, hey, I'm in the, a real bind here. Like I have to pay my bills, and I don't have a job, and I don't have anything to do. Can I work for you? And he says, yeah. Come on. So I drive all the way up to Indiana, 12 hours from where we're living in South Carolina. I work for him. I'm out there working in like January, February, winter. Wow. Doing construction. In Indiana. Yeah, in Indiana. It's freezing cold. I'm like working through snow. I'm all dirty. I'm away from my wife. Like, it's just the absolute worst. Like, (laughs) there's a reason that I went to school to not not do do what I grew up doing. I tried to get out of it. And so for you. You know, the fact that he was there was great because it saved us from losing our house. But at the same time, like, I was just 
you know, I, I didn't know what to do. And so I ended up getting a call a month and a half later from this company. And they're just like, uh, we need to tell you something. We decided to go another direction. Wow. So I had, I had gone all the way up there, done this, you know, to kind of survive in hopes that it would come through and I would just kind of get to work soon. Uh, so I had, I had lost my car. I'd lost my job. I'd lost my potential job and I did not know what to do. So right around the time my wife had gotten in a car accident, I had gotten a call from the the Oregon Conference of Seventh-day Adventists mm-hmm. and they'd said, basically, we like what you're doing. We would love for you to come work with us. We can't hire you full time. Here's what we could do. Mm-hmm. So they offered me a, a, a job at the time and I said, no. I looked at the contract. I looked at the living prices in Portland, Oregon versus Orangeburg, South Carolina. They're completely (laughs) different. And I was like, this sounds like a very cool job. I can't afford to work for you. Sorry. Yeah. Right. So this was November. So I'm in this position where I have lost just about everything and could potentially lose our house. We could potentially lose out on my wife graduating college, all of these different things. And I, I was like, I don't know what to do, God. I really don't. What it seems like everything that I've I've worked for is just falling apart. Like one by one, the different pieces of my life that I feel like I earned or whatever have just been taken from us. I don't know what to you know, and and so I got the idea of of calling the Oregon Conference back. And basically I just said, you know, I don't know how to move there. I don't know how to pay rent in Oregon. Mm. Like, I, I truly don't know how to do what you're asking. I want to. Mm-hmm. I, I would love to. You're offering me basically a dream position. Mm. And I just practically can't figure out how to do it. And so uh, the guy on the other line, Jonathan Russell, someone I greatly respect and work closely with now, uh, he said, you know, do the math and tell us how to make this possible. You know, just, just tell us what, what do you need in order to get here? So I went home. I, I crunched all my numbers. Like, I was like, all right, here's what it, the bare minimum to get there mm-hmm. and to live there. Mm-hmm. Nothing else. Just rent and utilities and food. Mm. Right? This is, this is the bare minimum of what I need. I sent it in. And he said, I'll see what I can do. And I don't know. It was probably a week later. Uh, he said, I took it to our board. And not only did we get you approved, uh, we got you approved for more than you asked for. Just get here. Praise the Lord. (laughs) Just get here. So the whole process, I was, my dad had basically given us a a junker car, Mm -hmm. uh, lots of problems, but it drove. It drove. And to get to Oregon, we have to hook up a trailer to the back of this thing, put our cats in this thing, drive five days across the country through mountains in like Denver. Oh right. What? I'm like, this car isn't going to make it. You know, I just, I don't know how to even get there. So there was that. There was also finding an apartment. Um, most of the apartments required that you make three times the income. Mm-hmm. And I definitely don't even make twice the income of any apartment that I can find in Portland, Oregon. And uh, the moment of clarity for me came when God said, do it anyway. Mm, do it anyway. Wow. Do it. Anyway, I'm a person who needs answers before I do something. Mm -hmm. I need to know how I'm going to pay all of my bills, every single one. I need to know what I'm going to be doing and if it's 
if it's going to work out. I need to know if I trust the people I work with. I need a community in place. I had none of those things. I didn't know. And just this message of do it anyway uh, came to me through situations, doors opening up that I never expected to open up. It came to me through mentors reaching out, even new mentors saying, hey, I know that you're struggling. I don't know all the details. But as you're wrestling with this, this decision, know that God can do more than you think he can. Mm-hmm. God can provide when you don't see an answer. And I had a, such a hard time with that. You know, I, I, while I believed it somewhere in my brain, the practical decision of doing it was so difficult for me. But once I did, God not only answered each individual question that I had, he provided much more in each case. He didn't just provide us with an apartment. He provided us with a, the cheapest apartment in my area. I don't know a single person who pays the, the price that we do. Amen. And a, and a landlord that I love. Uh, it's not like, you know, it's not cheap because it's cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a good place to live. <laughs> it's a good place to be. That's amazing. Um, the people that I worked for were more trustworthy. And uh, their mission is something that I believe in more than I thought I did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we didn't just get to Oregon with that car. It's still running. It's the same really? way that we're driving. Awesome. Um, and it's working well for you. Yeah. And and just in this experience, um, God's been teaching me a, a lesson that, you know, as a very practical, somewhat secular-minded Christian, mm-hmm there are times that I have to trust that God knows more than I do. Mm-hmm. And that trust involves like that, that leap of faith, you know, do you think it was um, kind of like a perfect storm when you didn't have nowhere else yeah. to go? That's the only reason I did. I finally got to that decision, right? After all these things came across, I was like, finally, like I am so desperate. I have to try mm-hmm. because I wouldn't otherwise. I, I didn't at first. I, yeah. I said no because I was like, I don't have the answers. And unless I have the answers, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Right. I myself, I find I find myself like that too. I'm the person that has an Excel spreadsheet for mm-hmm. all my budget. And yes. When it comes to go somewhere with my wife, how much is it going to cost? Yep. And even like personal things, you know, like personal big decisions, like having a baby, you know, mm-hmm. like just give me a breakdown. How much a baby is going to cost? Yeah. You know, I want to know. I want to save. Yeah. Ruben's having a baby. No, I'm not. I'm not. Hey, guys, I'm not having a baby. <laughs> I'm just saying, just planning Ruben's stuff like that. having a baby, like shall I get excited? I'm not. I'm not, Cassie. We're not, right? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but just stuff like that. I'm, I'm a big planner. Mm-hmm. And, and, okay, let's move on. Let's, <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> and just to do new things involve, uh, involving that leap of faith. It, it, it's hard. And, Sometimes yeah. I guess like God gives you those difficult times in order for you to not have other option, but mm-hmm. wouldn't it be better if we just do it on the first time and just trust. But sometimes mm-hmm. we feel that we have that cushion, huh? And, and how do you know? Right? Exactly. Yeah. How do you know? Cause a good opportunity doesn't mean it's God's will. Mm, right. Yeah. Like, and that could have been an indicator. Mm-hmm. I mean, from when the way you first described it, it sounded like, Hey, we want to underpay you. Yeah, it, it, it almost sounds like trying that, right. to do right. Um, but yeah, I, I just I think my perspective was so different from theirs, mm. right? Like I'm looking at it from like I can have a house in Orangeburg, South Carolina, for you know less than half of what it costs me for a one bedroom apartment. Where you're talking about, wow, you know, like it's such a different thing, and and 
I think, I think I looked more professional on the other end from someone looking online than I felt as the person living it. Wow. Right? I'm, I'm, I'm a poor person using the only thing I have, my cell phone. Yes. Yeah. Who occasionally gets the opportunity to travel if someone else pays me to come out there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, but from the outside, if you see somebody in a video, if you see somebody, uh, you know, who a lot of people talk with online. Yes. They seem to have it financially together as well, which has mm-hmm. never been the case in my life. Mm. Um, and so just that perspective of, I know the position I'm in, they're giving me a lot of credit here, mm. but I think it also is making them kind of miss the, the practical details that I'm wrestling with. So were you wrestling perhaps with some worthiness situation? Oh, there? for sure. I, I started, huh. I, I first started um, Humans of Adventism in 2017. It's 2020, the beginning of 2020. It has mm-hmm. not existed for three years, right? And I was a pest control technician in a, a bed bug truck just typing things on my phone. Mm-hmm. So I don't have this sense of myself that I am some serious trained professional. Yeah. Right. Right. I have a lot of experience now. Yeah, it's it's exponentially, you know, I've had more in this past year, but especially at the time, like I live out in the country. I don't have I'm not even from a college town. I didn't even go to Adventist college. Like mm-hmm. I don't have what it takes to do what you believe I can even, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm going to disappoint you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to rip you off. Can't you see I'm a clunker, you know, like, and they, they have huh. to their credit, uh, the, the communications team, conference president, young adult leadership, everyone I've been involved with in the Oregon conference has given me that credit, whether I believe it or not. Wow. Uh, they have treated me as a professional. They have treated me as someone who they want advice from. They want to know my opinion, whether they do what I say or not. Okay. Yeah. But, but like I'm a, I'm a valued voice mm. and they, they actually over time, uh, really changed my view of myself and my sense of self-worth and value mm. because they saw something in me that I didn't see in myself. Mm. Mm. Can I read a tweet that impacted me? Yeah, go for it. It's from you. Um, I'm going to read part of it. Um, I don't know. Maybe I, I will read the whole thing. You tweeted it. So sure. Is that from it, Caleb from Twitter? Caleb from Twitter. Okay. <laughs> Just making sure. And the first part is pretty self-deprecating. Perhaps or maybe you don't mean it that way. Maybe I'm being judgy. You said, I'm definitely one of the more secular-minded Adventists I know, Mm. but the rate at which God is answering my most outrageous request is actually scary. Yeah. I'm thankful, but I'm also somewhat intimidated. And I'm wondering, like, is that intimidation? That worthiness aspect you shared here, Mm -hmm. is that part of that? Like, you're intimidated by God's vision of you? What, What intimidates you with how God's working in your life through Oregon conference, through these situations? Um, so my life has always worked as a, a backward funnel, I guess, mm, where okay. uh, most people, when you talk about like childhood, for example, okay. it was easy and then it got harder as they became an adult. Sure, 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 sure. Everything in my life has been inverted in that sense mm. where it starts out very difficult mm. and becomes easier. And so whenever I come into something that is good or benefits me or whatever, um, I'm very aware and almost still living in the hardship. Mm. And so I'm intimidated when I get into the good times or success of any kind because I know how frail that can be, right? Mm. How easily that can be taken from you. Mm-hmm. And 
I, you know, I tweeted that this week and I'm being given opportunities in the next year, some of which I can't go into detail, Mm -hmm. detail on, but basically what God is doing is he's not just, you know, if I ask for something, he's not just giving it to me. He's giving me, uh, a, a level of trust that is beyond what I would give myself. Um, projects that are much bigger budget than I would ever think to ask for, right? Uh, mm. uh, things, influence and, and opportunities to talk in front of people that I would never think that I'm ready to do. But, I mean, God is really doing it. And he has been for, for a year, uh, about a year now, where, um, you know, he's, he's, he's sending that message to me that I believe in you. And you can and will handle this. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's really stretching me uh, mm. because it's like, you know, if you if you take a 12-year-old kid and you make him a lifeguard, right? Right. That kid may think, I'm 12. Like, I can't do anything for anybody. What if the person's bigger than me? Like, what, yeah. what am I going to do? But if you see in them a skill and the ability to to be observant and to truly, you know, manage that task and you say, you are a lifeguard now. You are the person I trust to save someone who's drowning. Mm. Um, that kid doesn't just do it. He owns that responsibility in a different way than he might have. Mm-hmm. Right. And he grows into it. And I think that's the position that I'm in right now at this point in life is that God's saying, here's your whistle. <laughs> you know, like here you, you are doing this now. Wow, I think it's awesome that uh, God actually put the right people in your in your path, you know, empowering you. I think when you need it the most, and personally, I feel like God gives you what you need when you need it. You know, sometimes people that are too full of themselves, He humbles them, and people that need to be comforted, He comforts them. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that was uh, one of my highlights of this of this story. And I don't know what what do you think, Rich. I think for me, like, I really appreciate Caleb. Like I shared at the intro, you were talking with me about this at Awaken. It was late and we were just talking over one of those standing tables and you <laughs> shared this story with me. And I was like <clears throat> wrestling with it. Mm. And later I just like, drove back. And I was like, I'm just a tired grump like right now. What's my issue? He just told a great story about his life. And I'm acting like it's incomplete or or it's like a one-sided story or it's unrealistic. And I'm like, no, I just need to hear this story. And I think right now with what I'm going through, it's a, you know, a difficult transition where we're going in a better direction in my churches, but hard, it doesn't feel good. And I think I'm facing another degree of burnout from literally being catching on fire and getting back to work. And I think something I've struggled with and is the idea that God, yes, he loves me. Yes, he's good. It's so clear in the Bible from when you read it. But accepting his goodness in my life and having a bold optimism. Mm. And I compared Mm. my optimism with you last weekend to the optimism I had about how God's going to change my church's work in my life um, from even being at this event last year. It's gone down if it's on a scale scale of 150 points. Mm in that time. And this has been 
when you have that and you hear this story, I don't know how you're reacting, everyone, as you're hearing this story and saying, yes, it happened for Caleb, great, but it's not like it's going to happen for me. Mm-hmm. I'm not working hard enough. I'm not as talented as Caleb. I'm, I'm not going to stumble across a niche in Adventism that works in my abilities. The, what I'm hearing, the moment of clarity is that God is good and he has a plan for our lives and openness and acceptance of that plan. It's not a faith is all you need. And if you aren't mm. living your life, well, it's because mm. you're faithless. Mm. It's not that. It's that God has a purpose and he loves you and he's for you. And that's going to personify itself in a variety of ways. But it's, God wants to help you. So, and he is for you. And the more open you are, you're going to find joy, greater joys in your life. Whether, um, whether it's money or just having a solid foundation or whatever it is, you want to react to that. Keep in mind when you're interviewing me. Oh, okay. Okay. If you had interviewed me a year ago, I would still be in the middle of this. Right. right? If you had interviewed me two years ago, three years ago, I would be in the middle of a lot of different points of hardship. Wow. I would have no success story for you. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just think that, you know, we're, we're in the middle of different stories in our lives mm. and I have a success story to tell mm-hmm. and that's great, but it's not my only story. Mm. Right? It's not, it's not the life story. It's one piece. Mm-hmm. I like to illustrate this when I talk about stories as, um, you know, we look at, at the life stories of other people like a pool cue ball, mm-hmm. right? It's white. It's made of one material. Turn it however you want. It looks the same. Mm-hmm. It's one thing that you can give people, but our, our stories actually look like a rubber band ball. Mm. Uh, made of just a million different pieces, all different colors, all different sizes, all different things. It's all part of our life story, but it's, it's, it's so complex. And, and we're touching on one strand of my life and one strand of yours, mm. right? We're not talking about the struggle it took to get through college in the first place. We're not I, talking about the struggle it, get, it got to have, you know, the better parts of your marriage or mm. whatever you've overcome. We're not talking about those stories in your life. Mm. Wow. Right. So, so we can't, we can't condense our life like that. There are other strands of my life that I haven't overcome mm-hmm. that are still difficult, that are starting to be difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think that that perspective is so important because if you, you know, if you had talked to Job in the middle of his tribulation, like he didn't know the big picture, there are, there are points that you could talk to him and he's like, God hates me mm-hmm. probably like, I'm not going to sin. I'm not going to like accuse him of anything, but literally everything I love has been taken from me and destroyed. But if you talk to him later, I mean, you know, there, there are just different stories that come out of different points and where you're at right now and where I'm at don't need to be the same Mm. or any of us, anybody listening, like, you know, if you're working at McDonald's and things are hard and it's a really stressful job and you get paid nothing, no, that's that's a point in your life. It's not your mm. life story. Mm. You have plenty of time for the for the success. You have plenty of time yeah. for things to change. Yeah, and, mm. and one to other find thing, your purpose. Yeah, exactly. One other thing that we were talking about in episode two episodes ago was that your purpose is not your career or what you do. Mm-hmm. Like, mm. not necessarily are not aligned. And like, also, like I, I like this uh, quote from Stephen Furtick when he says. Uh, the reason why we struggle with insecurity is because we compare our behind the scenes with everybody else's highlight reel. 100%. Okay. And 
we mm-hmm. we are seeing your highlight reel when you when you see your Instagram feed, yes. you know, or or Caleb on Twitter, yes, or or, or the re, retweets and the likes and and behind that, I mean, there's a behind the scenes, you know, you'll, and we all have those, you know. You'll never see a tweet from me saying today I am in the midst of a depressive episode. Mm-hmm. You have not seen a tweet from me saying I am struggling with thoughts of suicide right now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Whatever sides of my life that are difficult, you get to hear about when I've come to the point where I can talk about it. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, and so this, it does create a skewed image. If you think everybody else's life is going so great and yours is crappy, that's not the reality. The, mm. the, the people who have the, the best looking things going on, they have access to a good camera. Oh yeah, that's the only. Mm. That's the difference. I mean, or they have people paying them to travel or paying for their travel, but it's not that they're rich. Mm-hmm. Or well, he's know, rich. <laughs> he is rich, and he's Ruben. Uh, and <laughs> and I'm Taylor <laughs> from Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, what a, what a great conversation, Caleb. I really, I really appreciate you uh, being here, and this has been a wonderful chance to get more insights and. In in your behind the scenes. Yeah. You know, and if you're listening right now, uh, I know there's highlights, there's behind the scenes and like, even in though, in both of those situations, God is there. God Mm -hmm. is there and he loves you so much. And this was a wonderful conversation with Caleb. Uh, You have any last words, Caleb? Your final words. You know, I just, I think, I think we've kind of touched on it, but, um, we, we have a, a misinformed perception of what's valuable in life. Mm. Mm. Um, I think one, one biblical principle that I cling to the most is that being faithful in the small things helps you in the big things, right? Mm. And, and <clears throat> I think we overlook the importance of that because we just want to get to the big things. Yeah. But that process, I mean, the, the process for, for years of just showing up in low-income housing and doing a pest control service and doing dirty work and, you know, dealing with whatever anger that person had or whatever, like no matter what it looks like in your life, um, God's going to give you things that you need to to deal with and live through and handle. And, and that is your calling in that moment, right? Mm -hmm. I don't care if it's washing the dishes and taking a part in your home. Um, I don't care if it's, uh, you know, seeing somebody who's struggling at work and covering their shift or, you know, being a a truly safe listening ear for someone who doesn't have one. Uh, These things seem like a drop in the bucket, but sometimes they are uh, life changing for somebody else or for you, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lesson in there that is so, so valuable. And so I guess if I could leave somebody with one thing, it's just that um, what you're doing matters mm. to God and he doesn't see success like we see success. Mm. Mm. And, you know, the, the, the widow that brought just two mites mm. is one of the most powerful witnesses we have thousands of years later. One of the poorest people who in her mind was probably doing the least. Yes. Is one of the most powerful lessons for millions and millions of people who have heard her story since. And so just just don't devalue yourself and your purpose and where you're at. It doesn't have to be public. It doesn't have to be flashy for it to be valuable and important. Wow. 
just be yourself. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Caleb. Uh, thank you, Rich, again for joining in this conversation. Appreciate you, bro. Always. Thank and you, Ruben. This is uh, this was our episode. Uh, we all, we also like to hear from you. You can connect uh, with us. We have a Twitter account. We have Clarity Podcast at Clarity Underline Podcast. We have a Facebook account, which is fb.com slash Clarity Podcast. Uh, please rate and review us. We have in we have uh, actually we have our podcast in different podcatchers. Like if, whenever you want, whatever you want to listen to us. Anchor, Apple Podcasts. Yeah. Anywhere. Tune in. And uh, Caleb, where can we find you? Sure. Your so work. if you want to find Humans of Adventism, uh, just go to AdventistHumans.com or Facebook.com slash Humans of Adventism. Uh, if you want to see the work that I'm doing with the Oregon Conference, just search, especially on Facebook, Oregon Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. All awesome. Right. Well, you're Caleb. I'm Rich. I'm, I'm Ruben. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> this was clarity. <laughs> Episode number 23. <laughs> Two. It's 22. <laughs> hey guys, this is Ruben. I'm just coming from the future. And I just wanted to say, Rich, you were wrong. This is episode 23. Take that. Well, okay. Goodbye. Goodbye.